the Dad Bod Rap Pop with your hosts, Damon Carter, David Ma, and Nate LeBlanc. Three underground rap nerds walk into a bar. An argument ensued about who the goats are. The seed was a thought that would turn into a pod. Now fans worldwide say, not a bad job, the ad hoc cab squad who chronicles the vanguard of hip hop at large. Rap taste slacked off, don't need to be mad, dog. Look no further, it's the dad bod rap. Pop, 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 pop. Podcasting live from San Jose, California. It's the dad bod rap pod. I am one third of your hostesses, Damone Carter, aka Dim One, joined today by my mans. The hostess cupcake. <laughs> the ding dong of the show. <laughs> I'm sorry. Nate LeBlanc. What's up? Oh, man. Here we are. We're tired. Yes. Yes. Definitely tired. Uh, just getting back from a uh, quick jaunt down to L.A. for the Freestyle Fellowship uh, to whom it may concern. Remaster listening Apparently party. the police are closing in on you. As, as usual, my life is 100 miles of running video, basically. I just, I run from spot to spot. Uh, good old downtown living. Um, yeah, but just, just getting back from L.A., um, I don't know about you, Nate, but I am of the age where I, I'm going to have to start reevaluating my uh, durability during long car rides. Like, my, my back is still fucked up in, like... Uh, it, it's a day or so removed. I feel like I need, I, I think we both did the same thing. We, we came out on Saturday morning and went back to San Jose on, um, on Sunday, which means you basically spend about 11 hours in the car at a, in a 24 or 30 hour stretch. Um, and my yes, lumbar is true. I like, I like the driving. Like I like, I like long car trips. I like, I like the driving and, uh, I drove down by myself, so I got to like really hit it hard with podcasts and records I've been wanting to listen to and stuff. And I yeah. drove back with Dave, which was awesome because we don't see each other that much outside of the podcast. And I had him locked in a vehicle. Yeah. So I, he just had to answer all my questions. <laughs> I'm like, what's going on with this? Okay, we haven't really <laughs> talked about that. Okay, let me get your take on this. I was playing in music and stuff. It was actually oh, it was really nice. That's probably the longest stretch of time we spent together in quite a long time. So... It was it was actually kind of awesome, and it was an easy drive. Yeah, pretty breezy. Yeah. I don't know if I told you this uh, when we were driving down. When I was driving down, the most satisfying thing happened, where someone was driving like a complete idiot on five, and then like half an hour later, I saw them pulled over on the side of the road. Where where like it's ACAB, but in this case, <laughs> it was so satisfying to see these yeah. like idiots who were going to cause an accident and who at yeah. one point i believe near me threw a liquor bottle out the window oh my god i was god. like there's nowhere to go i just have to slow down and get in the right lane and get behind a truck or something so they can get away from me uh, uh, yeah and then they were just pulled over on the side of the road and i was just like ha ha ha, ha. <laughs> getting pulled over in a button willow <laughs> uh, <laughs> about to get your license suspended that's one of my fears is that um getting a ticket in some like far off county and then having to go through the um i mean that should happen to me before in san diego it's a fucking nightmare uh don't you just have like is there not online options for that it, it depends to san diego and stand before uh, judge wapner or what it, de- it depends on what your offense is ah, so yeah so you were highly offensive so i'm sure it was <laughs> A and big process and offensively high. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, this this trip was pretty breezy. Um, got down to LA, warm weekend, uh, great weather, not not excessively smoky, um, just kind of good vibes overall. I think um, I think that the party itself, uh, the listening party, was I explained it's it to the scene. I'm assuming not yeah. everyone knows. Yeah, so um, so there was a, a recent reissue of Freestyle Fellowships to whom it may concern their epic, mythical uh, first album, which is a piece, a creative masterpiece, but the, the recording at the time was not the best. And so Cut Chemist was given permission to go in and basically like remaster, remix a little bit the album. And uh, uh, Cut Chemist remixed Daddy Kev remastered. 
Daddy Cab remastered it. Yeah. Oh, and, and sounds that's awesome. Impeccable. It's it's that, such an improvement over whatever copy you had before. It's on two LPs. It's just it's like it just it sounds like a completely different record. And Dave and I wrote the liner record. notes for the yes. reissue. Yes. Big shout to uh, Johnny Sclute, former Dead Bud Rap Pod guest, uh, whose key system recordings put out the album and who couldn't make the event because he unfortunately, what did he say? He had to enter uh, health and safety protocols. Safety protocols. Oh, yeah. like, like a couple of days out too, right? Yeah, the- yeah, which really sucks, but he was, you know, good sport about it. And I sent him a bunch of pictures and videos and it's actually funny. <laughs> we were supposed to be documenting this pretty hard. And then yeah. we got home and I'm like, everybody's sending your pictures. And it's like three here, two there. We got video. Picks. I'm like, we're so bad at this. Absolutely. It's like, I got an awkward pick of me and Kenny Siegel like 20 yards away from each other. uh, But uh, it it was at this place called Common Wave Hi-Fi, which is literally a hi-fi speaker audio shop. With uh, some records. With some records in there, um, some really good records in there. And it's a high-end uh basically speaker shop with these amazing turntables and speakers and gadgetry that you know what it, it reminded me of was like those infomercials from the 50s about like better living through technology type shit uh so my frame of reference was like none of these turntables are recognizable to me as turntables except for the ones we dj'd on in the corner mm-hmm. all the ones that were for sale it's more of like a showroom yeah, kind of place yeah, uh right. looked like i would say more like time machines oh than, totally like turntables totally. there was gyroscopes and shit that was not recognizable as a platter and yeah. somehow the record was just there and the sound was amazing i was like what the yeah. fuck is going on and the funniest thing about it was no i asked several people except for the people who would know because that's not funny to actually learn something <laughs> it's just funny to go around and this about this and ask people like they said they had a machine next to the turntable that was actually playing the record that like took away the static. The static, yeah. I was like, how do they do that? <laughs> what is that? Does it catch the dust or does it just catch the sounds? They know what sounds static makes, and it is it is clears it magnetic before it heads to the amp. Yeah, is it is it is it a magnetic thing that does it drown it out? I'm with you, Nate. I, Non-pedantic I hi-fi dudes, DM us. Yeah, do not absolutely. be a dick about it. Uh, please put it in layman terms. The the proprietor of the place uh, was was kind of trying to explain some of how it worked, and I was completely lost. But um, it did sound amazing, and so basically, um, the record was broken out. Well, before that, Cut Chemist, yes. who hosted the evening, yes. played some records. Uh, he did this amazing thing that I've never seen anyone do before. He had a promo photo with every single one of his records. And he was like, if it was, if he was playing like uh, Miles Davis, it was like the Miles Davis record. And then he had a promo photo from the appropriate era in the plastic sleeve. And you know how they had that little plate thing? Yeah, that, was, oh, like, that's what the placard them. was for? Oh, yeah. okay. So that he, so he's like showing off the photo collection and the record collection oh, in man. a very cool way. I was like, I got to start collecting some of these promo photos. This looks sick. Ultra flex. While I was back there kind of putting my records down and stuff, he was chatting up some people and he was like, he was playing um, Reverend Eugene McDaniels, um, uh, Jagger the Dagger, Jagger from, the Dagger. Headless, from Headless Heroes. And mm-hmm. he's like, uh, you know, I, I might be able to find a Gene McDaniels like Thousand Feet of Clay, but I, there wouldn't be a Reverend Eugene McDaniels because he, <laughs> the record company was trying to blackball him and didn't believe in the project. And I was like, I'm in like record nerd heaven right now. This yeah, is, totally. This, I'm like totally. so about this right now. It was so tight. Um, and then they played the record and people like sat and watched it like a movie. I've never had an experience like that before. I was, I was conflicted about how to take it in because I was listening to it and um, To Whom I May Concern is such a foundational record for me. I just, I found myself just starting to like try to rap along as best as I could to the verses. And Damone jumps up in front of everybody. Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday to me. I was this close. <laughs> I felt like my girl wasn't going to get uh, embarrassed by me. I might have Me and Dave, we, we were a little giggly. Like, we were like, it, the, the situation was so weird, and it, it was such a reverent environment. We had to go outside a few times because we had the giggles. We were like, uh, this is, I don't know where to be right now. I yeah, have a little too totally. much energy to stand and watch this record, but 
fucking amazing. Like sounded so great. Yeah. So much more bassy than you would think. Yes. Uh, yes. And so the Daddy Kev mastering makes, makes sense to me. Yeah. When I think about some of the low ends that you haven't heard on this project. Like he has um, theories about them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Theories put into practice on this record. And um, yeah. so, yeah, it just basically ran the record from top to bottom. Um, a lot of cool uh, folks were in the house. I explained to my my dear girlfriend, Steph, who's not aware of any of this type of stuff. I'm like, you're hanging out with rap nerds tonight, but like the upper echelon. <laughs> this is like, this is it. They're down here. They're yeah. way up here. Yeah, uh, it was a, it was a, a hell of a night. A lot of cool cats. Uh, yeah, if if when we went to Boise, it was indie rap soul plane. This was like indie rap nerd convention. Oh, totally, totally. Yeah. Um, uh, rap Ferreira came through, which was amazing. Kenny Siegel, um, Gel Rock from the Cloaks. Did you interact with him at all? I, I did. So when when the record Such was playing, cool guy. me and Gel Rock, who I, I wasn't introduced to yet, were like we were kind of like we want to rap this whole thing. And we're kind of like <laughs> looking at each other, like yeah, running. But naked is so cool through the plains. Like, we were kind of start, start lifting up your shirt, kind of see if he joins <laughs> yeah. you. Totally, totally. So, um, so uh, yeah, DJ was, Jedi was in the house. Sean Cantrits from the Questions. Uh, great to meet Cantrits. Uh, a young up and coming rapper named Open Mike Eagle. Um, a, a real Doom fan. fan. No, yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Real, a real Doom fan. Mike had done that thing where you say bye to everybody and then appear to leave and then what what doom track did you play and he like ran back in dave and- played that's that which I, yes. I you know i'm i'm i have a long running like probably 15 year running joke about when you see dave dj he plays oh. the ramones and the Galats, and you have yep. to add this track in there it's like one of dave's go-to's and he pulls out the doom record and i'm like are you doing it and he's like of course of course dave. i'm doing it <laughs> uh, so he, play, he played that's that from uh, that's awesome. like this which is that's that's dave's cut that's our cut but he yeah that's he's very much known for playing that song mike ran in from the outside yeah. so funny yeah so so good it was so funny and then shortly thereafter he had drifted away again i played um uh fellowship can you find the difficulty in this, in this which yes. i found out my copy of that has like a huge gash in it so we're I like a thousand hundred thousand dollar stereo like every turn of the record going <laughs> <laughs> i'm like i really need a new copy of this i did not really i probably had like dropped can you it find the, the level of difficulty in playing that record yeah yes. um yeah. so i need a new copy of that but anyway um yeah just rappers rapping along like rory knew all the words to uh rock marciano snow he's yep. standing in front yep. of the turntables just rapping it back to us i was like this is so crazy dude like yeah it was just it was yeah. just such a cool night like a just very unique very out of the ordinary like i'm still kind of in the like i haven't really done shit since covid thing yeah. and i was trying to keep my mask on and it wasn't working and i was just like i took a test this morning i'm fine but i was like you know, numbers are surging in la what am i doing but i was having fun um i haven't been drinking and it was like if i was gonna drink i would have drank there and i didn't drink so oh you didn't okay that you was didn't an interesting personal okay. like dave and i went down to my hotel's bar and had a drink before we went and I like had the soda water you know oh uh, is that right we okay. told you this okay. uh there was a Bridgerton event at my hotel so of while course. we're sitting there <laughs> having drinks and kind of catching up and talking and kind of speculating about what the evening was going to be like there's like 400 girls in floor length 1800s gowns it was insane there were two guys dressed like Daft Punk Okay. Like down to the sneakers with the full working helmets and the breathing tubes. We're like, what the fuck is going on right now, dude? Like, where are we? You're like, Richardson is wild this season. It was, <laughs> I was like, I, I don't even, I don't even know what the two were related to. Um, right. My really good friend who sort of lives in LA was in LA at the same time, came to visit me at my hotel before that. And he got pulled into a room because they thought he was, a talent for one of the events and he was like dude i have like 40 minutes to go see my friend upstairs like leave me alone yes <laughs> so it was right. just nutty like the whole thing was nutty and then when we were downtown we went to guisados which was amazing yes, yes it was um, really like perfect after show food even though it wasn't even that late um really like i was super pleased with that selection and we'll definitely go there again um there were just like roving mobs of 20 somethings mm-hmm. like just yep. mobbing in downtown la and yep. to kind of, I think we talked about this outside of the restaurant when we were heading our separate ways, but 
No one was playing Kendrick anywhere, and I don't no. want to talk about Kendrick because I'm not ready to talk about Kendrick. Nobody. I do want to say it's not one of those bumping out of every car kind of records at the moment, or or any car. But I I went to uh, ended up doing a little bit of a, a bar hopping later that evening. Heard blow the whistle three times. That's hilarious, hilarious. And, which I feel like happens when I go to LA. It's, it's yeah. a very um, it's a very popular popular track to play. But yeah, it's it's always cool to kind of go people watch um and kind of just soak up some of the the vibes if you will um and then come back to you know i think san jose is like if you took the coolness of la and and broke it into eights i was gonna say tenths yeah okay okay maybe even 16 it's it's like la feels familiar to us because it's like san jose times 10 it's like it's like this it's like a similar mix of types of people with a different dominant industry that's slightly cooler um and just like we feel at home there, but we don't actually know where anything is. That was no, my vibe no. the whole weekend. I was like, I'm Google mapping my walks. I'm like, is the little blue dot heading towards where I would need to be right now? Because because that's the great look, right? Yeah, You're just was, walking, yeah, walking around exactly. the city. Yeah, getting getting ready to get robbed. Uh, yeah, it was it was a good times. Uh, shout out to uh, John Skloot, um for kind of putting that together, putting my guys on, and allowing me to vicarious not vicariously to uh, ride the coattails. Right in there, right in there. I'm like, I'm, I'm in here. It is so exciting. Um, appreciate y'all playing my record. Oh yeah, for sure. Got uh, to play the lackadaisical in front of yeah. uh, indie rap royalty. That was really yeah. awesome. And Absolutely. something that I wish I would have known weeks before because I've made myself so nervous about like DJing in front of Cut Chemist, for instance, um, where I'm more of like a selector. I have good taste. I don't have any selectors. Um, uh, they had a rotary mixer, so we couldn't have done any tricks if we tried. Dude, that's what I was like. Are you landing Apollo thirteen, or like, are you like, <laughs> what the fuck's going on, yo? Yeah. Uh, turn this one down. Turn this one up. It's like the perfect thing for us. Uh, we looked it up on the way home. I made Dave Google it, and was like looking over his shoulder on a straight part of the five where I didn't have to drive that hard. Thirty five hundred dollar mixer. Oh my! And you can't get God. them. Like you have to get yeah. on a waiting list and know somebody, yeah. and they. They only, yeah. you know what, you know, uh, something is expensive when the website lists the stockists for the brand. <laughs> yes. It's uh, like, they don't want to tell you how much it is. You have to add no. it to the cart and see how much it would cost to get shipped to your house. Like It's, it's like, one of those, like, if you have to ask, you can't afford it. Like, yes, which has yeah. been a big theme lately. Uh, yeah, I can't afford all... any of it. So it's pretty, pretty great for me. <laughs> yeah. To, to get a, to be able to, um, you know, kind of play with this stuff and um, just have that experience, which is very unique i'm i'm kind of a little bit bummed that um none of the members of the fellowship can make it apparently mike and i got the date mixed up which <laughs> which is just like oh my goodness but um, we might see jupe had a couple records i was gonna play if jupe showed up uh, yeah, but yeah. you know it, it was a cool night it was not a perfect night in that regard with since uh some of the main people involved in the thing couldn't be there but um, it, it was really fun, man. I kind of like needed to have some fun and I certainly did. Yeah. So it, it was great that yeah. you guys were down there and just the Thanks. people who came through were super cool, met some new people, a couple people kind of found us online afterwards and, um, yeah. you know, cut, like talked about the liner notes and we were like, oh yeah. my God. And, and uh, Cut Chemist, Nate went outside and Cut Chemist picked up Nate's box of 45s and like snickered at us. Like, <laughs> I wonder what he's gotten here. I'm like, yeah. Nate is equally parts mortified and honored in the same <laughs> moment. I was there for you, Nate. Yes, thank you. You you came and told me, and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And then just made a beeline back to the table. <laughs> Give me my records. No, um, I, was just, yeah. I was just, I did. We didn't talk about it, but uh, you know, him and I know each other a little bit because yeah. I wrote that yep. a long profile about him. You guys can find it on Passion of the Weiss if you're interested in reading it. Please read it. Um, and so, but we didn't like that was journalist interviewee. This was sure, more like peers. Sure. You know what I mean? Very oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, it, I think I talked about this when we had him on or when I was talking about the article. Like, I tried to write him a fan letter when I was like 16, when the Jurassic 5 yeah. EP came out and I heard Lesson 6. I, my mind was completely blown. I was just like, this right. guy is it. Like, I'm into turntablism, I'm into hip hop, this cut and paste style, this scratching. Like, for me, I, I think he's a genius as a DJ. Yeah. I just I yeah. love his music um, in that way. So it was it was funny when we got there. 
and me and Dave were going to like really defer to him and be like, you know, dude, just take as long as you want. And yeah. we don't need to really play. We're on the flyer, but we don't care. We're not really yeah. DJs. We'd rather watch you DJ. And he's like, it's a rotary mixer. Do you like watching paint dry? Like yeah. I, can't, I can't do any of my stuff. I'm just playing records here. So you guys got to go on. And we're like, okay. there, it there it is. Level the playing field right there. Yeah. The, uh, really the funny with the, the overpriced mixer um yeah. i don't think it's overpriced it's just expensive you know what i mean <laughs> uh that's that's all relative <laughs> if rock raider couldn't use it i don't i don't know a high I don't know quality machine it's not for that though it's for yeah. this uh yeah that's how i use a regular mixer anyway fade down fade up yeah <laughs> no 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 scratching in between um yeah yeah it was, it was it was good times there was another person in attendance who i didn't get who I didn't have a chance to check in with, but um, uh, you and Dave uh, interviewed not too long ago, and that yeah. is a uh, real bad man. Real bad man. Um, yeah, we uh, real bad man kind of showed up on our radar a couple of years ago um, because he did an album uh, with Boldy James called Real Bad Boldy um, that we were fans of, and then he has these uh, various compilations. He just put out another one. Uh, I think it was Real Bad Man Volume Four. Mm -hmm. um, where he works with kind of like elite uh, street rappers, um, mm -hmm. some heavy hitting lyricists. I like his production style a lot. And uh, as you guys are about to hear, this is his first ever interview as a producer. Ooh. He's done bah, bah, bah. a bunch of other stuff. Real Bad Man is like a streetwear brand and like a logo identity and like a company. And he was in a um, like a kind of rockish band for many years. So, oh, okay. Um, okay. He has a big history in the L.A music scene and in music in general and this is the when uh we you know we this came this all came about through a publicist email i think it was i think it was from jordan commander uh yeah. we're on their list and i was just like oh is real bad man available for interviews like that's 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 someone i am interested in like yeah and then it was just kind of snowballed from there sent us the new boldy record which i've been running Ooh. a lot it's coming out on friday so you guys if you're listening on release day you'll get to hear it tomorrow and you'll hear some about it in the interview here but yeah, super cool guy. He ended up coming yeah. out to the event, got to meet him in person. Um, I ordered one of his shirts. Like, I'm, I'm, okay. I'm, in, I'm in. I like, I like, it I like him. I like it. I think, uh, I think he's a really good producer, and so he's got an interesting story, and you guys will hear it. All right, so here it is: our interview with Real Bad Man, Dead Bod Rap Pop. Dad Bod Rap Pod. Every week we interview people who are moving and shaping hip hop culture. This week is no different. We are here today with producer, designer, um, man of mystery in some ways, <laughs> real bad man. What's going on? How you doing? Hey, what's up, guys? Thank you for having me. This is this is like my first this is my first interview as real bad man. Okay, that's okay. awesome. Like, thank you for having me. Absolutely. I, I spent, I, I've I've listened to a few. I was familiar with the podcast, but I hadn't listened to too many of them. So I went and I listened to a few in the in past like week or so. Right on. Appreciate that. Um, yeah. Thanks. Thanks for making the time. Um, we are primarily here to talk to you about your, your music. Um, we really enjoyed your Boldy James record from a couple of years ago. We'll certainly get into that. And you have a recently released um, producer album. Um, volume four of your ongoing series. So why don't we start there? Um, okay. It's on high alert, volume four, and it's got a heavy hitting lineup. Why don't you just give us a little peek behind the curtain? How do you go about crafting these? Um, I call them producer albums, not yeah, really yeah. compilations. Um, like, how do you choose who you want to work with for these? Got it. So I'll go back a little further, probably give too much information, but. Um, Real Bad Man started as a brand, like a clothing brand. I'll even go before that. I had a band before. I've always made music. Um, I don't know how man. much you, you guys know about me pre-calling myself Real Bad myself Real Bad Man or producing under that name. But um, 
there's a lot of stuff that you guys have discussed that I've been around or involved in. Okay. Cool. Um, so, uh, but the most recent one was I had a group called Pollen, P-O-L-L-Y-N. And I was like, I'm done with music. I don't want to make any more music. I'm just going to be focused on like designer agent agency content, you know, director, all that stuff. Um, I'm not going to do music and I'm going to start a brand with some friends and we're going to call it real bad man. And um, I don't know. So, and we're going to do uh, like bootleg merch for bands that never really had merch. That was like the, the initial idea. Um, and then we, uh, the first season came and I was like, I want to put out a record, but I don't want to produce it. So uh, the, the sort of the theme was like kraut rock. And so originally I had, uh, I had Moody Man doing a edit of Vitamin C by Cam. Okay, yeah. Um, and then I had these guys in Japan that do these this like sort of futuristic dance hall. I gave them a sample of a Tangerine Dream uh, song from the movie Sorcerer. And it was going to be, okay, it's very curated. The Moody Man thing didn't work out. And so I hit up Edon and I was like, Edon could, could crush this. So I had him do vitamin C and just chop it up and edit. I didn't produce anything. And then the second season came and I wasn't as lucky with someone like Edon who can produce and rap. So the people I wanted didn't make beats <laughs> and it was, the season was kind of about drugs. So it was, the idea was like sample all these like sort of records that were known for sort of drug records where like the artists were stoned or high making them and using that choices as like, there. Yeah. And so no one, no, uh, the people that I had were, it was like mayhem. And then um, who else did we have? And Logi. Was, mm-hmm. was the other one. Um, but like no one to make the beats. So I was like, fuck it. I'll make the beats. Okay. And then it got me kind of back into it. And then um, we did that for a few seasons where the records were just giveaway. We sent them with the clothes stores that had them would give them away. And then um, I don't know. I was like, Oh, this is fun. I get to work with rappers again uh, with, with when I had my band, we would always do kind of remixes or songs with rappers here and there, like not really like songs for the album. It was more like B-sides. There was a song with like Freddie Gibbs. Hmm. There was a song with Rock Marciano. There's one hmm. that like never came out with like with Guilty Simpson. There's been a, there's been a few, um, but it was definitely more on like the sort of Portis head, massive attack side of things. Okay. Um, and so uh, this was my opportunity to, to get back into like rap like the rap that I, that I grew up loving yeah. working with the artists I really wanted to work with. So then I sort of just jumped in and, and the only way I kind of knew how to do it was to just do one-off songs with all these different people. Mm-hmm. And I would sort of like curate them like, Oh, I, you know, I like this person's stuff. Let me reach out and see if he's available and, and um, kind of take it from there. I accumulated all these songs and then kind of started curating like the volumes so one two three four you know there's a few songs a lot of not a lot but yeah most of the songs from volume four were done when i was doing one and two the idea was to do five of them gotcha there's no songs left for volume five but i think at some point um we'll get to volume five there's there's some leftovers here and there like i i i it's a it's good and bad. I, I, I don't always release everything I do. So there's like definitely an archive with, with, with people that um, I've just never, it's just didn't fit. So it just sits there on the, on the hard drive. Sure. So great. Great. Thanks for explaining that, man. I mean, um, you certainly have your hands in, in all kinds of things and you mentioned, you know, how you're like, fuck it, I'll just produce it. And, you know, just, just um, on that tip, can you give us a little bit about your um, production background, your influences, the equipment, and just yeah, overall yeah. approach, you know? Um, how far back? <laughs> I mean, so I, I started, I have, a, I have a very crazy hip-hop story. Um, All right. So I, I went to, well, okay, I started DJing when I was 
sixth, seventh grade. Um, in high school, um, I ended up working for Ruthless Records and Easy E. Mm, um, okay, wow. That was around the time At Band Clan was on the label, which eventually turned into the Black Eyed Peas. Mm-hmm. Um, when I worked there, I got enough money to buy an SB twelve hundred. So I had a my sort of partner who I worked with, Mike, had an SB twelve hundred. So I learned how to make beats, kind of using his. And when I had enough money, when I was probably like sixteen or seventeen, I bought my own, and I started making beats. Um, I was also at the time, so that was like the first. Sorry, that's the first drum machine I used. Besides, like four track and one of those Gemini like mixers that had a sampler built in and I would just loop stuff and like mm-hmm. make, put it, put them on a four track and then put a sample on top of it and just kind of, kind of pause and and just make beats through, through that. Um, eventually I got an SB 1200. I started making beats. Um, I had friends. So I went to high school with alchemist. Um, okay. Also Jeff Weiss is younger than us, but um I DJ Jeff Weiss's sixth grade birthday party. <laughs> um, I am definitely tip, talking to him about that next time that's, I see him. Yeah. Um, that's hilarious. And <laughs> I did so in high school, as I was making beats, I also did a public access rap show. Alchemist was the host when he was a kid. What was that we called? Both like 15. It's online somewhere. Um there's been a few little like Jeff wrote about it. Cause he was like, I remember this when I was a kid, that's sort of how we figured out we, we knew each other. And he was like, I think you DJed my, you know, my sixth, my sixth grade birthday party. Um, and so on all of this was happening at once. So my influences really came from like that golden era of, of rap at the same time. Um, I hooked up with through online message boards uh soul and live poets that eventually turned into anticon mm-hmm. so like the very first live poets record <laughs> like i had beats on so oh, i would okay. send stuff back and forth with with soul and uh he he was one of the main people i worked with kind of growing up making mm. beats we he really liked my beats i would you know we probably just sent cassettes back and forth and he would rhyme over the the cassette. I, probably most of the beats on that first CD that I just saw got reissued on vinyl um, <laughs> are all cassette. Like they're just like cassette beats. Um, and so I started making me- music through that um, on the SP. And then eventually by the end of high school, um, you know, Dr. Dre, the chronic and Puffy came after that. And then I was like, I don't know if I like rap anymore. <laughs> I like Portishead and Massive Attack. I like sample sample based music, but trip hop or whatever you want to call it, Moax type stuff really spoke to me. And I sort of like abandoned this like underground rap thing and went into that space of like, you know, uh, you know, starting a band you know, working with singers. Um, and then at the same time, I went, I, at some point I went to film school and I was designing and, and, and never sort of like picked one lane. I was always doing 18 different things. Um, but I think SP 1200 and then pro tools really changed things for me because I could see how songs were constructed visually. And I, I, I always liked making beats on the SP 1200, but currently like it's over there unplugged and I don't touch a single machine. I do everything in Ableton and I, and I feel like my beats are, are like me editing Mm -hmm. more than like pounding on a drum machine. Um, So it's a lot of like collaging and, and it's all the stuff that I learned when I was working on Pro Tools with a band, they would, the guitarist or the drummer or whoever would play a bunch of shit in the session. And then I would find the loop I liked and twisted it around. So it would be in the tempo or the, the, it had the swing that I had in my ears. So it was before there was time stretch. I never used a grid. I was always learned it by ear. 
And then Ableton kind of came along and I learned that and it took a few years to really like get good at it. And now, you know, I can kind of make what's in my head and like alter stuff in the way, but a lot of it's editing, a lot of it's me, you know, I'm very rarely programming out a drum loop. I'm doing it all by ear and sight on, mm. on a, on a thing. That's interesting. Um, thanks for giving us the background on that. Um, so I, I'm curious, kind of first question, and then I want to go, yeah. go somewhere else with it. Like, so when did you decide to get back into kind of this uh, very fertile time of street <laughs> rap? Like, um, like how, like what was the transition? So you ended your band and then you were like, I oh, ended my rapping band is good again. Like, I'm going to get back involved or how did that go? It, uh, it was probably like a, two year gap like you know uh and like i don't know friends always joke like i can't just stop doing it like i still made stuff but i was like i don't want to put out anything you know it's a lot of like especially when when you're you put a lot of work into something and you put it out and no one hears it is like mm. oh like again like forget it like i i i i have more success doing this stuff i'm gonna do that and then eventually um, I was able to kind of make my own, like my way. This is how I can do it. Like I have this brand. Um, I can kind of self-fund what I want to do um, and sort of take it step by step. You know, I, I have a bit of a, like a strategy to it. You know, like I've seen what works. So I'm like, oh, like the Boldy James record, Real Bad Boldy did really well for us. It got a lot of attention, way more than these comps do even though there's like different names. And so I was like, maybe I should stop doing the comps as much and put my focus into like individual projects with, with rappers that I want to work with. Um, and so that's what I've been kind of concentrating on. So I don't know, my long winded question was I ended doing sort of music in around 2016 okay. and then kind of started making rap songs Um definitely 2019 i want to say around like april may was when i started really working on like on high alert volume one wow that's like so recently that's crazy yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. that's so, awesome yeah and that uh, and it was like i was in tokyo at the time for okay. like six weeks and i remember like being on the train making beats sending it to like ito when we got when we got wi-fi and like, you know, I, I remember doing a lot of those songs, like the initial ones, like in that time. So it's very easy to remember, like, oh, yeah, 2019 was. That's so cool. Um, yeah. uh, we definitely I definitely caught wind of your production project, Real Bad Man, uh, because of the first Boldy record. It, yeah. it I, I don't know if it had the fortune or misfortune to come out during one of the most craziest album runs an artist has ever had, <laughs> where he had four really good records yeah, that yeah. year and yours was one of them. Yeah, um, no, we, we, came, we all we were paying last. attention to him. <laughs> yeah, no, we we. So. Season three of the Real Bad Man brand like the theme was like comedy. Okay. So I was at that point producing. So I did the A side was, or there was no A side and B side, but one side was like Alchemist rapping and Boldy rapping on one song. I didn't know Boldy. Al went and got, was like, oh, can I put Boldy James on this? And I was like, sure. Like, I like him. And <laughs> yeah. it was before I had heard Presti in China. I think they were just mm. working on it. I think that's why he was, he was with him. Um, and then the B side or the other side was blue exile and large professor. And um, I think it was just two songs. And um, that was where I connected with Boldy. Once it came out, I, I DM'd him and I was like, thank you for doing it. If you want any of the records, let me know. And he was like, no, I'm good. Like, um, <laughs> but I was, I was like, can I send you beats? And he was like, yeah. And he really liked them. Like he really responded well to them uh, more than a lot of other people that I've like sent stuff to. Um, and I, and I, that was probably like, I don't even know summer of, I don't even remember when that was, but we started working. I think it was summer of 2019 probably. Okay. Before the world um, ended. Yeah. 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 Cause it wasn't <laughs> COVID. I remember like we, we kind of messaged on like around my birthday. And so it was like end of August. And then we just started working on stuff and kind of the same thing. I have a gazillion songs with Boldy because we started working. So like real bad Boldy came about. Cause I was like, I have too many songs. 
like i just need to put something out let me and i and i kind of like they all have a similar vibe to them uh, you know they 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 they're a little more boom bappy than like i wanted to be but so i was like i'm going to put those all together and that'll be an album and so like the next record which which you guys heard isn't as boom bappy in my head I mean, maybe it is to other people, but in my head, I was like, I don't want it like I don't want it to be boom bappy or like throwback. I want it to be like a mix of now and like kind of what I do. Mm, mm. Oh, just just to reiterate, I love that album, man. So great work. Um, I want to uh, circle back actually to Nate's initial question about the um, on high alert series, uh, the fourth in the, in yeah, the yeah. series. Um, you know, you have a bunch of heavy hitters on there. I mean. Legends from Master Ace to uh, cats like Rock Marcy, Rome Streets. And yeah, yeah. I just want to, uh, you know, just give us a peek behind the curtain, like working with all those different characters. And were there any that just delivered in a way that just super impressed you or anything, any sort of standout moments? Um, I mean, I'm really happy with volume four. Like mm-hmm. I like like I like the the mixing of I love curating and I love putting people together that like might not belong, but like work. Um, and I mean, rock and mayhem work really well together. So like, mm-hmm. I remember like I recorded that, like rock sent, I had his verse on that, on that track. Um, and I had like, I had the hook and I, and I knew I wanted someone else and I knew it had to be like someone that matched well with him. Cause I didn't want to put someone on and have him be like, Oh, I'm bummed. But like <laughs> mayhem was the perfect one. And we, we recorded that together. Not, not everyone I record with like in the room. Most people, I don't, most mm. people, I send a bunch of beats. They like the ones that they record to, they send it back to me and they're like, you know, do your thing. Um, Editing begins. Yes. Um, so, but mayhem, like we went in the studio and did the, the song from volume three, um, ba- uh, bad manners. And then, we did the we did the verse from from this one same night um and it was you know it was great like i like that that the rock mayhem song like i love i love like this the the size of it it sounds huge um and they both sound really good on it together um then the the like the one with like evidence stove god and and alchemist like i you know I, I growing up with Alchemist, I remember the hooligans and like, <laughs> and I have a special place in my heart for like hearing him rap. So um, any chance I get to be like, Hey, can you do this for me? Like <laughs> um, he's been nice enough to do it uh, multiple times now. Um, so that That's was awesome. something a lot where, of people don't know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's one of the best producers around you know mm-hmm. so they know that part they, yeah. they yeah, don't yeah. really know that he started out as a rapper that but he yeah still he raps. started out as a rapper like i remember <laughs> all of that i remember like the demos and all that stuff so um getting him to rap is always like fun and nostalgic for me um mm-hmm. but but putting them all together you know evidence was the first one on that record and then i sent it to al and i wasn't sure if he was going to do it and boldy and i are always recording so i sent it to boldy and i was like hey can you go on this and he did it and then Alchemist sent his and there's like a I have a Stove God album that like never came out wow. <laughs> and we were working wow. on it at that point. <laughs> and so uh, I was like, can you get on this song? And so it all kind of came about in a in a sort of organic way. You know, Evidence knew Al was going to rap on it. And, you know, it kind of like went in order. So by the time Stove God got it, it had the three verses before gotcha. it. Um, and I rarely do a song that's just rapping. I, I do like a hook, yeah. a chorus, but this one didn't need it. It was just like, everyone's going to rap one after another. Nice. And that's and it. I think that's something that stands out about your song is they have a lot of song structure. And so much of this stuff is just loop yeah. one or two verses and kind of whispers away. And it's nice to hear a, yeah. a little bit of structure every once yeah, in a while. It comes from being in a band for so long yeah. that like, that like, you know, every song needed a, you know, the, like it needs a change up. It can't just be the same thing. And I, it, I always fight, I fight myself adding too much. Like I'll add shit over and over. Like, like the second half of the, the verse always has something else. And I end up pulling it all back. Right. A lot of times I mute it when I send it like to be mixed. Right. So I'm like, no, just 
don't touch it. <laughs> you, <laughs> so, you have one that didn't make sense to me until we started talking, but I'll just I'll just propose it anyway, and you yeah. can maybe tell us if there's a story or not. Yeah, it's it's the story the song "Real Mean" and it's blue logi and pasta noose and you're that's just drawing from so many totally. different scenes eras styles like do you so, have any stories about that one uh so that was one of the ones that i think i did i have a i, I did a song or two with logi um and i really like him a I'm lot a fan as well and yeah. so i was like hey what do you think of blue and he was like i love blue i grew up listening to blue and i was like cool I want to put you guys both on a song. And I was like, at some point, I'm going to ask Poss if he'll be on it. Because I knew him, but not really through music. I knew him through like design and my the other other stuff. But I but I knew him and I was like, all right, I'm going to ask him to be on it. So it would be these three. Um, and I do think they that's not a weird one to me. Like they all sort of fit, um, especially Blue and Poss. Um uh, I feel like they go together, you know, they, they, uh, and Logi because his stuff kind of has this like lo-fi vibe to it. Um, when you hear it, you know, like, but he can do other stuff. And that's what I like doing kind of giving people the ability to do other, other stuff, mm-hmm. you know, than, than what they're, what they're, they're used to, but stuff that I do think they'll sound good. It's not like I'm giving him a techno beat. Like <laughs> still, it's still like a strong beat. Um, yeah. But yeah, like I like putting those things together. You know, I, 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 the, the last song on volume four is with um, Master Ace, Maxo and Satch from the nonce. And early on, I started to do stuff with Satch and then like, I guess COVID hit and like, there's like a, we, we have a song that never got finished. And then I like, I was figuring I needed a fourth, I needed a third verse on that song. And, and I always, I'm a huge nonce fan. Like, and, and I was like, Hey, I'm going to send this to you. Can you do it in like, you know, two weeks, three weeks? Like I really need it done. Um, And he got it done and it, I thought he killed it it's really good to hear him with, with, you know, like over people. Yeah. yeah, Like, I mean, yes, I I think, I think a lot of, I think with the right production, anyone at any age can sound good over. Yeah. We have a whole podcast about it. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Real bad man. As we can kind of conclude here, can you tell us a little bit like, we've learned so much about you in this short time you're you're in so many different scenes can you talk a little bit about how like you bring it all together like what is there a unifying thread to all the different things you do your art your music your travel like what what is what is it about it that makes it (laughs) Um, man you know um it's a good question i don't have like the answer but i but i think um i mean i think there's like a style thread that that runs through it and it's it's usually like a little left of center. It's a little like a little off, but not so off that like it's experimental. So I, I, I try to like do my own thing without copying, you know, or, or show like my, I have a very wide pool of influences that I pull from, mm-hmm. you know, um, and they all get jumbled together in a blender and spit out. And it sounds like this, but I do think, there's a little bit of like psychedelic element to it. Um, I think there's a little bit of humor at times, um, like the name and everything is sort of, you know, a little bit of a, of, of a, of a, of a joke, you know, and, um, there's humor to it. Just uh, talking about some of the album titles too. It's interesting. The little slants that people take on it for their rhymes and for the titles and things like that. It, yeah. With just three words, it gives a lot of ins for punning yeah, yeah. And, and, I, and kind I, of like references. Right. When I first started, I was like, Hey, can you mention real bad or man in your verse somewhere? Um, like it doesn't even have to go together. Just like throw it in. Um, and a lot of people were able to rise to the occasion and other people ignored it, but uh, <laughs> it, it was, you know, a lot of that was, yeah, it was supposed to be kind of playful. Like I want to do records. I want to do clothing. I want to do everything that, that, that I would want to hear. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And that, that's sort of my, my through line is do I like it? And, yeah. and if I, if I don't like it, then I shouldn't do it. 
uh, Real Bad Man, thank you so much. On May 20th, you are going to release your follow-up full length with Boldy James called Killing Nothing. And uh, I have to just, dad bod listeners, you're going to enjoy the song Ain't No Bon Jovi. Uh, that's my <laughs> cut after the first after the first listen today. So we just want to thank you for your time. Thanks for coming through and hanging out. Thank you. Thank you for having Appreciate me. Appreciate you, man. That was our conversation with real bad men. Uh, this is seems like a really good guy. I want to say his name so bad. I know he doesn't want us to. He wants to like maintain an air of mystery about himself. But I, Absolutely. you know, I have a huge problem calling people by their stage names, and this one is so long. I'm just like, ah, but I won't. Um, super, super, super nice guy. Um, it's this is another weird thing about the interview. Um, at the end of the interview when we were just chatting and we kind of hung around and chatted for kind of a long time and that happens from time to time we've had some really amazing conversations with people after the official part of the interview ends and that's usually the part where they get to tell us about upcoming music and stuff that they can't say to people yet um he like leaned in his chair he was in and he had the freestyle fellowship to whom it may concern record behind him <laughs> and i was like is that that free cell fellowship record and he's like yeah and i was like it just you know you were out that day or you were on yeah. assignment as they say so it was just dave and i and i was like look inside like dave and i wrote the liner <laughs> notes for that and he was like we were all kind of like okay this is a little weird like yeah this is also oh, he had no clue he was he just no just idea it, yeah. He literally said, I don't think you would mind me saying, he was like, oh, I, I just, you know, you guys are big hip hop heads. I just wanted to have a cool record behind me. <laughs> and I was like, and you approach. do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So just something wow. something was in the air. It was like meant okay. to be kind of, I don't know how That's else awesome. to say it. But um, yeah, awesome. um, something, one last thing about the event on Saturday. And I probably screamed this in your ear while we were listening to records. We learned so much. Like people told us so much. Yes like just upcoming release stuff and who they're working with and what they're working on and who knows if any of this stuff is going to come out but in like we're probably in the event for a total of four hours in four hours i learned more about underground (laughs) hip-hop than i did in the previous five months Uh, yeah no no, no. i think you remember my little rant about how i'm inside and how going outside is not worth it from last week sometimes going outside really is worth it like if you pick your spots if you pick your spots it's so interesting how much more people told us yeah in person in person because you know you generally speaking i'm like hello uh it was actually pretty funny a couple people recognized me for my voice um and i was like okay that's the thing i have to get used to in life um (laughs) and then i'd be like you know how you doing what are you working on and they would tell me and it's like these are some pretty some cats who's contributions to the art really matter and so knowing what's coming and then they get to hear all this unreleased music and I don't think Mike would mind me saying this but at the very end of the night when they were about to leave and I was outside smoking I was like I don't get how you guys do it you like you you know you have all this heat in the tuck Mm -hmm. and like how how does that feel and I'm not going to do try to do Mike's voice though I did it pretty good to Dave in the car Um, (laughs) he, he was like that's the whole game you're walking yeah. around with a loaded gun yep and i was like awesome. you fucking genius like that is that's such awesome. a cool thing to say and then he that's like awesome. disappeared into the night you know what i mean yeah. it was so yeah. rad that's 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 awesome yeah uh definitely good times connecting with people in person people don't recognize my voice there is a conspiracy theory going around that me and dave sound alike and I, and I, I can't I ever hear it, but I know I, you guys pretty well. I, and I, I don't hear it, but I think what it really says is that your, your sonorous tone is, is very distinctive. <laughs> uh, and also, um, you know, I feel like, uh, you know, you show up as yourself and it was great to kind of just 
it was great to see you and Dave having a great time. It's like, we don't, we don't get to have those type of interactions. I know. Like, and, and me and Dave used to all the time. Like we have DJed right. many an event together and um, we used to have a DJ night together where we like, we, we would have the most fun of anyone. Like we yeah. were, we were hitting it pretty hard back then. And it's, we like to go back and forth. He likes to go two for two. I actually think it's more interesting if we go one for one, but it's too hard to keep track. Um, so Oh we no, y'all! Y'all was on some globe trotter shit. I was yeah. like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. We have a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, practice with that, and we we like sure. exactly the same music, so Absolutely. we can beat off of each other in that way, and it's really fun. But the the whole point I was trying to make is that was the funnest part of a really fun yeah. weekend was like sure. once we got the table between us and everyone else, and yeah. we could just crack our jokes and tell our little yeah. musical jokes and like lean over and whisper about like things that were happening and like you know that to me that was the most fun part like we were just like cracking up basically the whole time once the peanut gallery was constructed uh and you had a role in the party oh i know how that is yeah Uh, it was super fun yeah super fun shout out to the uh the whole stony island mob that that came out ahead i felt like we're having a good working meeting with uh with open (laughs) mike eagle and katrowitz and and kind of just doing all that so um once again los angeles if you're hiring um, just all of Los Angeles, if you're hiring, it would be amazing to, uh, to be in that scene. If I could do that scene once a week, I think my life would be drastically different. I don't know. I that's just, so too. that's just the, the dreaminess in me talking, but, um, yeah, shout out to everybody that came out. Um, and you know, who knows, we may be coming to a town near you again, real quick, Nate, uh, Quelly Chris tour dates announced no Bay area. I'm trying not to be uh, yeah. upset about that. It says more dates to be announced. Yeah. So, yeah. Let's, so hopefully. Uh, let's hold on for a miracle. Yeah. Bay Area promoters, please book Quilly Chris um, just so I can go. Just selfish. <laughs> I have no idea what kind of draw that is in the Bay Area, but God damn it, um, I want to see Quilly Chris. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's what you come to us for. Conversations with interesting, engaging people anecdotes uh from middle-aged rap guys who are somehow <laughs> living the somehow living the dream somehow uh and appreciate everybody's patronage thus far you can connect with us on twitter at dadbodrappod we just crossed the 5000 follower mark uh so shout out to everybody the you know 3500 real people who actually followed <laughs> um we were, we appreciate 1500 promote your music accounts we have on mute Exactly, exactly. We appreciate y'all too. Uh, on Instagram at DadBodRapPod, you need to get involved with our Patreon. The community is growing. The discourse is is fly. We've got some uh, we've got some interesting commenters. Um, that's a part that I, I don't usually hype up and sell, but the current community that we have on uh, Patreon has some really interesting rap takes and. I'm not going to lie. I'm much more comfortable in that space than I am on Twitter. I did it again today where I'm like, you know what? I could post this to Twitter, but I, I'd rather want to hear what the, uh, the fans you fans have a say. little bit of a curated audience with some of these yeah. more hot takey kind of things. Right. Ab- absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm, and at some point we'll and be like, ready. You start from a place of mutual respect, respect. Like, not like on Twitter where anyone could just jump in and just be like, yeah, out of pocket. You know what I mean. And and as much as I want to be like, I don't give a shit about you, dude from Cincinnati. Um, the shit, the shit kind of circles in my brain in a way I don't like. So we'll we'll see. We'll see how long Twitter lasts. Um, yeah, it looks it looks like uh, Elon's not may not buy it, but um, so yeah, you should hit up our our Patreon, patreoncom pod Five dollars a month get you all the flyness. Get in on it now. New fly sporadic. Coming up, fly sporadic. There is no the, um, as I've, I've been I've been informed. Uh, a new playlist, my uh, weekly-ish playlist series, Dems Gems, uh, turns on. So I just posted a new playlist last night. Dave and I uh, listened to one of your playlists. I think the one before this on the way on the way uh, rolling through. Uh, what did you call it? An agricultural wasteland. Wasteland. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then you well, get well my, said, my friend. Yeah. Uh, then you get kind of my little. I do a little uh, uh, Kurt Vonnegut style quips uh, attached to my playlists. Um, so yeah, it's it's been a fun space. It's something that we definitely want to get more people involved with. So check us out there. But of course, you know we drop episodes every Thursday. It's part of the Stony Island Network of podcasts. We are the dead bod rap pod.